The second Bible reading comes from John chapter 1, verse 19 to 29. It's going to be found on page 1027 from the Pew Bible. Now, this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. They asked him, then, who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah, the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the desert. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now some Pharisees who had been sent questioned him. Why do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do, you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the tongs of those sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany, on the other side of the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is the word of the God. Uh, dear Lord, uh, uh, be with us uh, today as we consider your word. Um, help us to set aside our, the distractions in our minds and, uh, and other thoughts, and to focus, to concentrate and to hear your word. Uh, let it reach into our hearts and into our minds and change us in Jesus' name. Amen. In uh, July 1969, uh, something rather good happened. Neil Armstrong became the first man to walk on the moon. After years and years of preparation, the United States had finally won the space race and Neil was going to walk on the moon. The whole world was watching on TV around the globe. People were watching and waiting and wondering, what is he going to do? What is he going to say? And then as he steps out onto the ground, Neil said those famous words, that's one small step for a man, but one giant leap for mankind. As great as that was, it's, it's nothing really. That was just man stepping onto the moon. What would you say if you were to announce God stepping onto the earth? What if you were there when Jesus was about to start his ministry and it was your job to announce it to the people? What if it was your job to make straight the way for the Lord? People crowded and gathered around you, asking you all kinds of questions and then the Son of God appears and he waits for your introduction. John the Baptist found himself in that very position. At the beginning of the ministry of Jesus, John the Baptist does the introduction. John wasn't there to make a great name for himself. He was there to introduce Jesus. It's not about me, he says. In verse 19, it says, Now this is... 
John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. They asked him then, who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. He doesn't really answer them properly, does he? He could have said, I'm not Elijah, but I am the fulfilment of the prophecy about Elijah. He could have said, well, I'm not the prophet, but I am a prophet. But he doesn't. And he's not really being troublesome, he's just trying to tell them that someone else more important is coming. John is telling them it's not about me. He could have said a lot about himself, but instead he stands like a signpost fixed in the ground, firmly pointing towards the one who is greater. He is very much like a voice crying in the wilderness, make straight away for the Lord. But how do you introduce Jesus Christ? What is the most important thing to say? When we introduce people, we don't just kind of go, oh, hey, this is so-and-so, and leave it at that. When Russell introduced me this morning, he said, well, Greg's here today. He didn't say, oh, he's from Blackburn, and then leave it at that. He had something to say. He, had, he said, Greg's here and Greg's going to be preaching today. So when we introduce people, we actually talk not just about who they are, but why they are here. So the introduction is actually important. And this is a very big moment. The creator of the universe has arrived. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is about to start his public ministry and John the Baptist is here to announce him to the world. So it's an important introduction. And then in verse 29, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The uh, NIV version that we have in the pews here says, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But some other versions actually use the word behold. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And I like that word behold because it's an announcement. It's time to introduce Jesus and you should be paying attention. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There are three things to note about this introduction. And first we're going to consider why John calls him the Lamb. Second, we're going to have a look at why it is important that the Lamb is of God. And finally, we'll consider whose sins are being taken away. So let's consider the first thing. John calls him the lamb. What did John mean by that? Why didn't he just say, here is Jesus, the son of God? Why did he say, behold the lamb? What do we think of today when we think about lambs? I think most people carry around an idea that they're small, white, fluffy, cuddly. They imagine that a lamb is something that can love them and they can love it back. And for many people this also translates into their thinking about Jesus. He came to earth to show his love for us 
and we love him back. But they forget why Jesus was here. To them he is a cute and cuddly Jesus. But that's not the picture that John has in mind. When you think of lamb, what do you think of? Do you think cute and cuddly? Or do you think barbecue? Maybe you thought about roast lamb. Or perhaps you even thought wool. Sheep in their own way are providers. Farmers raise them and shear them for wool. And lamb is meat and it's very tasty. Sheep can be cuddly and but in reality sheep provide. They provide meat for eating and wool for clothing. Perhaps Jesus has come to be a provider. After all, didn't he perform miracles? Didn't he feed the 5,000? Didn't he provide safety by calming the storm? And didn't he provide to us many parables and great teaching that changed the world? Jesus provided. But that's not the picture that John has in mind either. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In John's day, a lamb mentioned in connection with sin meant sacrifice. John is using temple language because in John's day, lambs were sacrificed to take away the sins of people. The lamb was killed. Some of the blood of it would be put onto the altar and the rest is poured out at the base of the altar. The fat of the lamb would be peeled off and then burnt on the altar. The lamb, you see, died as a substitute for the death that was actually owed to the sinner. So Jesus is not cute and cuddly. He is a sacrificial lamb. And in the same way, Jesus was whipped to the point of death and then nailed to the cross. Bleeding away, he hung there on the cross And after he died, he was stabbed in the side and his blood poured out at the base of that cross. But because Christ has died, we can now have eternal life because he has taken the penalty for our sins. Behold the Lamb of God. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry, John lays out the most important thing that Jesus has come to do. Jesus has come to die. He hasn't come just to love, to show kindness, to heal the sick. He hasn't come just to provide, to bring bread for the hungry, to calm the storm or just to teach us. He has come to die, to be a sacrifice. So firstly... Jesus is the lamb who dies for sin. Now let's consider the second thing. John said, behold the lamb of God. John says he is of God. Now if we go back and we think about that temple procedure for a moment, dealing with sin by sacrificing lambs, it was, it was completely inadequate. No amount of lambs sacrificed would ever take away the sins of people. Each time a person sinned, another lamb would be required. So lamb after lamb after lamb after lamb after lamb was sacrificed. The life of a lamb in itself was never enough. But Jesus' life 
on the other hand, is more than sufficient for the task because he is the Lamb of God. Jesus is the Lamb of God not only because he is from God but because he is God's only Son. Jesus is the one through whom the universe was created and now he has taken the place of the Lamb. He was born in the likeness of a man. Jesus, who is God, became man and he humbled himself to live out life here according to the will of God in everything. He lived the perfect life. He followed the will of God in every aspect of his life, even until death on the cross. He lived the perfect life on earth. His life was good enough. He lived the perfect life, but yes, he is also the Son of God, the Creator, the Maker of the heavens and earth himself. And he is the one who has laid down his life. So he was also great enough. Jesus is good enough and Jesus was great enough and his sacrifice was more than sufficient for the task. So Christ died once for all, all our sins taken away. No longer are lambs required because the Lamb of God has come. But you should also see that because he is from God, it shows that the work of saving you is from your sins is coming from God alone and not from yourself. Otherwise it would have been the lamb of the world. But it instead is the lamb of God. When Jesus offers you eternal life, you might say, I'm not good enough. But don't you see, you would be missing the point. None of us are good enough. But Jesus is. His death was worth every life. You couldn't die to save the world. You couldn't die to save yourself. But he can. It's never been about how good you are. It's been about how good and how great Jesus is. Jesus Christ, through whom the whole world was created. He is good enough. He is great enough. He is the Lamb of God. This makes that word of really important. Jesus is the Lamb of God. It's the basis of our faith that we can trust in Jesus to save us from our sins and not through work of our own. Jesus is the Lamb who dies for sin and he is God's Lamb, not ours. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So the final thing to consider is who did Jesus die for? John says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The whole world needs to be saved from God's judgement. Why is that? Well, it's needed because we all sin. Now, it's common amongst people to basically see ourselves as good. We're essentially good people, aren't we? But if we were to truly compare ourselves against God Almighty, we would see that we are dirty, we see that we were shameful, we would see that we were all sinners. 
You see, when the whole world is full of sin, all we see is sin. Sometimes you see a little bit of good there, a little bit of good there. And it imagined it to be perfection. But it isn't. It's kind of like when you're out driving at night and you see other cars on the road. You see their lights and they're quite bright. Uh, your own lights seem bright. And sometimes you see the high beams of someone else and they get you in the eyes and it seems almost blinding. But in the full light of day, that light is nothing. Even those high beams are nothing. You see, we can't even look at the sun for how bright that is. God's righteousness is like the sun. And we are dim. We live in a world of darkness and these seemingly bright lives that we lead are nothing but dimness against the righteousness of God. We're meant to be holy as God is holy, but we are sinners and we are not as good as we think we are. Our tendency is to underplay our sin. We imagine that it's not all that bad. You say, there are others who are worse than you. You say, you know, that was a little thing that you did. Maybe you had some reason for what you did. After all, we're not all perfect, are we? Maybe you say, it wasn't something you did wrong. You just didn't help out where you could have. You didn't go the extra mile. Surely, it's not a sin to not do something. Or maybe you just messed up. But luckily, nothing happened, so it's not bad at all. These views all just underplay our sin. Our tendencies are to underplay our sin, but Christ had to die for all of that. Do you grieve your sins in a way that recognises that Christ had to die to save you? You see, you're not getting off on a mere technicality or some special rule of favouritism. Jesus had to die for your sins. He had to take the punishment. The Son of God, the Lamb of God, had to die for your sins. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now, to the Jews in the crowd, what John had to say was probably actually quite surprising. A lot of them thought that Uh, when the the Saviour would come, he would restore Israel and, and save Judah. But John says, the whole world. Now this is not new as far as the Old Testament goes, but it certainly would have been against common expectations. But you need to be aware, John isn't saying here the world in terms of every soul being saved but the world in terms of people from every nation. So who exactly is being saved? John chapter 3 verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The criteria for being saved is those who believe in those who trust in Jesus Christ. They will live. The rest will still perish for their sins. Jesus is the lamb who dies for sin. 
He is God's lamb, not ours. And he died that all who believe will be saved. There are two ways to respond. Firstly, you can respond with faith, with trust in Jesus. And when you do, then you accept that Jesus has stood in your place for your sins. When you face judgement, you can face it with confidence, with full assurance, because Jesus will be standing there right with you and he will say, this one is mine. When you trust in Jesus, you shall have everlasting life and you will not perish. The other way to respond is to ignore Jesus or to trust in your own goodness. If you do that, you will stand at the judgment and face the full penalty for your sins. You will stand before God and you will suddenly realise that you weren't as good as you thought you were. You will understand that the brightness you imagined that you possessed was nothing at all and nowhere near good enough. So you will perish. You will not enter everlasting life and you will enter hell instead. Jesus died and bore the penalty of sins for all who believe. Not everyone is going to believe, but the offer is for everyone. The offer is for you, for the person next to you, for your neighbour, the butcher, the young people who tend the checkout at the grocery store. The offer was for people from the past, it is for those who are alive today and it is for those who are still to be born. So everyone needs to hear this good news. Everyone should be prayed for, even if they don't believe right away because we don't know when someone's going to finally believe. We don't, it could be today, it could be tomorrow or it could be on the day they die. Jesus is the lamb who dies for sin. He is God's lamb, not ours, and he died that all who believe will be saved. So John the Baptist stands there as Jesus arrives and he says, Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. When Neil Armstrong landed on the moon, it was merely man extending his reach beyond the bounds of the earth. But John the Baptist's moment in history is even greater. He was there to introduce Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to the whole world. And when Jesus Christ appeared, it was the Son of God, the creator of the whole universe, stepping down onto the earth. Jesus accepted death on the cross so the penalty for our sins might be paid so that we might have eternal life. Jesus is the lamb who dies for sin. He is God's lamb, not ours. And he died that all who believe will be saved. John's words mark a significant moment in history and he spoke well. Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Let's pray.